Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Hitman Chronicles And today it is all about Saul Canelo Alvarez versus Jamel Charlo I want to thank all the great feedback that I got from what is now my second most listened to podcast Since I began Hitman Chronicles on August 1st of this year It's crazy the first one was the very first episode I did, the Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford recap. And now the Canelo Charlo fight is my second most listened to podcast since beginning my sojourn here on the Hitman Chronicles with my third, well, my fourth boxing podcast in the last 12 years. Today, we will have a two-part episode. The first part is the prediction part. Now, I know you guys that listened to last week's podcast heard my prediction, Gritty's prediction, Rob, uh, Rob Hill's prediction from Philly, uh, King Shabazz and, from Newark, and Kobe from Detroit. Well, those that didn't send in voice notes sent in their predictions via the Ask Rob Silver, hashtag Ask Rob Silver. So normally the Ask Rob Silver Q&A session is usually the second segment of the podcast. Today will be the first because I'm recording this podcast a few hours before the pay-per-view begins. That way I am not taken aback by what actually happened. I have... 11 or 12 predictions that I'm going to read. Okay, and I'm going to start with, and I believe, uh, where my, my, uh, let me see. I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with uh, my man uh, Al Beatty. Al Beatty, who is a loyal listener and always gives me great feedback. And I'm going to read what he sent me via DM. And his prediction And Al wrote Listen to the preview now Really enjoyed it And the watch alongs are always good It's a bold pick you've gone for Any, Anybody who listened last week knows That I am picking Charlo to win by decision Alright You'll hear this after the fight is over So right now I don't know who won the fight But When I come back for part 2 of this podcast You'll hear my reaction to whether or not I was right or wrong on my prediction. It's a bold pick you've gone for. I think you and Gritty both mentioned Canelo's stamina issues. I think he suffered with that through his career. What impresses me when he takes time off in rounds is he still manages to make his opponent work through pressuring with footwork and his body positioning is really awkward to hit clean, which means when he has his reads in the middle rounds, he has tied his opponent a bit. I think Charlo's most most impressive is his ring IQ. Every 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 rematch he's won, and pretty much every fight he's fi he fi finishing the strongest. His jab is beautiful, and I love how Derek James fighters work so well off missed jabs, just occupying the opponent. Al, you mentioned what you said is is mirrors what all the panelists said last week, including myself, on their predictions. I can't pick anyone jumping two weights to find someone as technic to to find someone as technically to fight someone as technically sound as Canelo. 
It will be close, but likely stoppage 9th for 10th. So he's got Canelo winning on a 9th for 10th round stoppage. Great work again on the pod. Really enjoyed all I've heard and enjoyed the fight. It will be 4 or 5 a.m. Sunday morning when main event starts. And I believe he lives in the U.K. So thank you, Al, from the U.K. And he's predicting Canelo by 9th or 10th round knockout. Now. My buddy Bod Ballas, another long-time listener. He goes back a long time with me. He's been a listener of all four of my boxing podcasts. And Bod Ballas writes, Loving your work as always, bro. Watch the De La Hoya documentary following your podcast. Available on this platform is my review and career retrospective of Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy documentary that is currently airing on Max, HBO, whatever you're watching. Both were fantastic. I've got Canelo late stoppage tonight. So, once again, you've got two guys mirroring the same thing, saying the same thing. They both believe Canelo will win by late stoppage. Okay. Now, my longtime buddy, Luigi, Sicilian brother living in the UK, What's up, Luigi? Luigi writes, Excellent listen, Robert. I particularly enjoy the history on both guys. That's a brave prediction of yours, but I'm going for Canelo late round stoppage. No way does Charlo's power bother him. Remember, this is a guy who went 36 rounds with Triple G and didn't even blink, which is true. And I mentioned this several times. Canelo has the best chin in the business. And, um, number two is way back there. <laughs> He wants to make a statement after not taking Ryder seriously, and I think he does. Talk soon, my friend. So, three predictions so far. All three, I'm going to say late stoppage. So, I'm going to say all three are predicting 9th, 10th, 11th round. All right, we've got several more predictions to go. Ask As I look on my Ask Rob Silva questions, here we go. Oh man, I, um, I really, I really do. I mean, I really do appreciate this, brother. Derek X wrote about to tap into the pod. Canelo to win it late with a TKO. I'm just skeptical, skeptical seeing Charlo going two weight classes up. I've seen the best crumble with that. Roy, Roy Jones versus Antonio Tarver, Kell Brook versus Triple G, Broner versus Madonna, etc. One thing I want to correct you on. Uh. Derek, is that Roy didn't go up two classes to fight Antonio Tarver. He went up two classes to fight John Ruiz. He beat John Ruiz, and then he came back down to fight Tarver, and he won the first fight against Tarver. Now, it was a difficult fight, but he won the first fight, and he got knocked out in the second fight. Kell Brook and Broner, I never considered the best. Kell Brook, did, however, did go up two weight classes to fight Triple G, and he was never the same after that fight. Broner did not go up two weight classes, uh, Derek, to face Madonna. Adrian Broner was already a, an alphabet suit uh, wearing title holder at 147 when he fought Madonna. He had defeated Paulie Malinaji to win, I believe, the WBA title, one of those alphabet trinkets, before getting his ass kicked by Marcos Madonna. And there have been several fighters throughout history that have gone up two weight classes, Derek, to win world championships. Michael Spinks was the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Went up two weight classes, beat Larry Holmes. 
Thomas Hearns was the WBC Super Welterweight Champion. Went up two weight classes and beat the holy hell out of Dennis Andres to win the WBC Light Heavyweight Championship. Right? There have been... So Roberto Duran skipped junior welterweight, went up to welterweight, beat Carlos Palomino, then Sugar Ray Leonard to become the WBC welterweight champion of the world. Manny Pacquiao went up two weight classes to beat the holy hell out of Oscar De La Hoya at 147. So, um, it has been done several times before by the best of the best, all right? Um, not saying Charlo's the best of the best. I say Charlo's the first battle Hall of Famer. I'm recording this before the fight occurs, so we will see if Charlo falls on the Kell Brook side of things because of the guys you mentioned. Only Kell Brook went up two weight classes. Oh, and Bob, uh, 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 Kell Brook went up two weight classes and lost. Amir Khan also went up two weight classes and got decimated by Canelo Alvarez. So, uh, we'll see. We will see. We will see. We will see. Okay. Great, great prediction. And once again, Derek predicts Canelo with a late TKO. So, so far, the first four guys that I've, whose predictions I've read are all stating the same thing. Canelo, late round stoppage. One of my favorite posters on Twitter, Why Diggy, the steel Phantom Menace goes. I think Charlo will start with using his jab to keep the distance early. But once Canelo closes that distance, Canelo will attack the body and get a late round stoppage. That late, that long layoff for Charlo will hurt him in the long run. Once again, the theme of the prediction so far, everyone's saying the same thing. Banging the body, coming in late, stoppage. So, um... Thank you again, Steel Phantom. I, I appreciate your your uh, your uh, 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 input. Godney Jagger sixty seven. He this is another one of my favorite posters on Twitter. Canelo on points gets off to a quick start. Shows a decent golf in skill physicality, but Charlo fights hard and makes it relatively competitive down the stretch. Now there's a different take. I like this. He's looking at a different angle here. He's got Charlo winning several rounds late because of Canelo's suspect stamina issues. But he still sees Canelo building up an early lead to win a decision. So once again, thank you, big man. Appreciate, appreciate you always. My man, Erie Avenue's finest. One of my favorite Philly brothers and a great pops, great family man, the whole nine. He goes... Canelo stops Charlo between rounds 8 to 10. I think he's going to try and show Jamel that he is what everybody been saying he is. Going to make Jamel a believer. Once again, another prediction with a late round stoppage. Only, only uh, God, uh, Godney has predicted the fight going all the way. Okay, yo, this is Dre, one of my longtime listeners, forever and a day. Dre writes, Charlo's defense is legit, but Canelo's is better. Charlo can punch and will buzz Canelo a few times, but Canelo, Canelo's too strong and experienced. Canelo by stoppage in the 10th round. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this because 
Everybody is saying the same thing other than Gandhi Jaguars. Everybody's predicting a late round stoppage. Looks like it'll be a victory if Charlo finds a way to go 12 rounds, according to all the pronosticators here on Ask Rob Silver. Okay. My man Toot the Barber. Where's my man Toot the Barber? My man Toot the Barber. My, uh, my, uh, one of my all-time favorites, bro. And two goals. The bright lights. Canelo's pressure will break him, especially if Charlo can't hurt Canelo. He's got Canelo stopping Charlo in the eighth round. Okay. Mark Anthony, my fellow Boricua. I got Canelo punishing him, maybe 10th round KO, but for sure outboxing him. Okay, there you go. Another late round stoppage prediction. My queen's brother, my Guyanese brother, Ace. Ace goes, Canelo to walk through what Charlo has to offer and dominating in the late rounds. Might be a stoppage, but I will go for Canelo unanimous decision victory. All right. All right. Moosey. Moose, the Moose Man. Moosey Mania goes. Forgot to say it earlier, but I got Canelo by KO in the eighth. Charlo is moving up, and he isn't, he isn't as skilled, even though he is still good. But he doesn't have the power to make up for the skill difference. All right. Thank you, Moosey. Another guy that has been listening to not only my boxing podcast, but my music podcast. I do on the Legends of Sports and Music, my sports podcast, I do on that same platform. And he's listened to me on, on the wrestling podcast I've done throughout the years. So, man, appreciate you, Moosey. Moosey's a real good dude, man. And I read today that Moosey's six for seven. No wonder they call you Moosey, man. Don't fuck with the mooks, man. <laughs> okay. Mark Story McAhill, another long-time listener of mine. Man, y'all coming out supporting the podcast. Canelo seems to be down on the scorecards, going into the ninth round when he knocks Charlo out with one shot. I like that prediction. I like that prediction. I could def If anybody scores a one-punch knockout in this fight, it would be Canelo. All right. The only person that predicted Charla would win other than myself on this podcast is one of my favorite female boxing fans on Twitter, the Lion and Me. Lion and Me. Now, her name is Lion and Me, so that tells you that she's probably a Charlo's Twins fan, which I got no, no problem with. She predicts Charlo by 10th round knockout. So, Everybody else other than myself and the lion and me have Canelo winning. I got Charlo winning by split decision, 12-round split decision. You, If you haven't heard the podcast, I break it down completely. I'm not going to repeat myself. Gritty has Canelo winning by 11th round in a very tough fight. King Shabazz has... Canelo winning by decision in a very tough fight. Rob Hill has Canelo winning by decision in a very tough tough fight. Kobe has Canelo winning in a very tough fight somewhere between rounds 8 and 11 late stoppage. 
I have Charla winning by, the, by split decision. The young lady lining me has Charla winning by 10th round stoppage. And everybody else you heard, except for a couple of guys, a couple of guys had Canelo winning by decision. But the vast majority, I say 80 to 85% of the predictions I have read on this segment have Canelo winning between the 8th and 11th round late stoppage. All right? So that ends the Ask Rob Silver portion of the podcast. And now we head into the fight recap as we talk about exactly what did happen Saturday night. All right, before I go to the recap of the pay-per-view card that was held tonight, of course, with the Chanelo Carlo main event, the Canelo Charlo main event, tongue twist, I'm sorry. There was a fight in London, England. And right now, the best cruiserweight in the world comes from Australia. And that is Jai Opatea. He was phenomenal defending his title that he won, I believe, 14 months ago against Maurice Bradis. Uh Jai Opatea is the real deal, ladies and gentlemen. He is a phenomenal fighter. I mean, he beat Bradis overwhelmingly last year, 12-round decision. And his, in his first defense against a guy... Three to four inches taller than him. And Jordan Thompson, he mopped the floor with Thompson. He landed that left cross over and over and over again. And I don't know who the idiotic announcer, the British announcer that was announcing, erroneously calling it a left hook. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sick and tired of hearing announcers that are getting paid great money. Misinforming the public about what kind of punches are being landed. If it's a straight punch over the top, it's a cross. If I'm a softball, I land a right jab, an overhand left is a cross. It's a left cross, not a left hook, you idiot. The color commentator did say it was a straight left hand, which I appreciate. If you're not sure whether or not it's a hook and a cross, call it a straight punch if it's coming over the top. Anyway... Jay Opataya has a beautiful left cross, beautiful left cross, and it's accurate. And in the third round, he dropped Thompson with a beautiful triple left cross. And finally, in the fourth round, he put Thompson away. 20 seconds to the fourth round, he landed a beautiful counter left cross. Thompson crumpled. Referee said, nah, it's over. Jay Opataya. With a beautiful fourth round knockout. And now what's next for Opataya? You got Chris Billum-Smith. You can have a unification fight there. He could defend this title against former champion Lawrence Acoli. Who lost the title to Chris Billum-Smith. There's a lot of opportunities for Opataya at Cruiserweight. Uh, forget the WBC uh, champion. That title is being held by Don King. As Badu Jack, I think he was either gave up the title or was stripped of the title. Because the guy he beat is fighting for that title again on a card being held very soon. Featuring the washed up and shot Adrian Broner. But maybe he fights Badu Jack since Badu Jack is no longer a champion. There's a lot of opportunities for Jai Opataya 
to put his stamp as an all-time great cruiserweight. He was uh, just he was just phenomenal tonight. Beautiful now. Jordan Thompson never beat anybody. I know he had a nice undefeated record. This was his ma first major fight. And Opatai did what he was supposed to do, but he shined. You could tell by the way he fights that the man is offensively gifted. Tremendous counterpuncher. And that left cross is dynamite and accurate. Okay. Now we go on to the pay-per-view card. Which, of course, the main event was Saul Canelo Alvarez versus Jamel Charlo. Okay, now we will review the pay-per-view card. And I got one more prediction that was given to me right before the fight started. I was watching the, the entire card at the AMC Empire 25 Times Square Movie Theater. Man, that screen was huge. I, I uh, took a picture of the screen and, and I uh, posted it on Twitter. For those of you that want to, you know, follow me on Twitter. Hitman CHRO60580. All, all questions pertaining to the podcast. Hashtag Ask Rob Silver. So I got one more prediction before we go into to the main event. But before we talk about Canelo versus Charlo. Let's talk about the undercard. The first fight was the best fight of the night. Elijah Garcia versus Resendez. Now, Resendez is, you know, your typical Mexican brawler. Tremendous heart. He throws combinations, got a great chin, but his shelf life is very, very, very small. Armando Resendez has no defense whatsoever. And a guy like Elijah Garcia is going to shine because he throws punches and punches. He throws combinations. The, hist the history, the future of the middleweight division is Elijah Garcia and Xander Zayas. And so you, go you have a perfect, perfect matchup to continue that Puerto Rico Mexico rivalry that has been ongoing since the days of Wilfred Wilfredo Gomez versus Salvador Sanchez. Actually, since the days of Wilfredo Gomez versus Carlos Zarate. Um Elijah Garcia needs to work on his defense. He's a brilliant offensive fighter. Booming jab, beautiful left cross, but his D, he got hit with way too many shots in this fight against Resendiz. And uh, uh, he's lucky that Resendiz didn't land. Resendiz was throwing over 100 punches around. He's lucky Resendiz didn't land a clear, clear shot. I mean, he landed some great shots. But one thing about Garcia, he keeps you busy with throwing punches. But Resendiz was hitting him. Almost as well as they hit. First four rounds was give and go. But then beginning with round five, Garcia began to take control. In round eight, he drops Resendiz. Resendiz gets up and he staggers Resendiz again. Referee Tony Week stops the fight. Elijah Garcia with a very good win over a contender. This was a fight between two contenders. Let's see what happens with, with, with Elijah Garcia. Does he fight Jamal Charlo, 
who has one of those alphabet soup titles, even though he hasn't fought in forever. Does he fight Jamel Charlo? I want to see him fight Xander Zayas, but right now, no PBC top-ranked fights are happening. I mean, yeah, Xander Zayas is a top-ranked fighter. I was, I was correct there. But I would love to see, eventually, Xander Zayas fight Elijah Garcia. And that's a fight probably won't happen for two, three years down the road. Garcia with eighth-round knockout, but he's got to work on that defense. That defense is very lacking. And it's going to get him in trouble against an elite boxer. Then we go to the second fight of the night. Um, I'm trying to think which one, man. You know, see early signs of dementia. I was in the arena last night. What was the co-feature? What was the second fight? Second fight was uh, Ugas versus Barrios, and I gotta give Mario Barrios credit. He has developed a beautiful left jab. And he kept Ugas at bay with that jab. Dropped Ugas twice. Ugas' right eye was, excuse the French, fucked up again for the second fight in a row. Your Danis Ugas needs to retire. He cannot beat any elite f- uh, welterweights anymore. And Mauro Ronaldo is a horrible boxing announcer. I've been saying this for years. He's a horrible boxing announcer. He's part. He's all hyperbole. He doesn't know the difference between a cross and a hook. He kept calling Barrios' right cross a right hook. Just like he kept calling Elijah Garcia's left cross the left hook. Ladies and gentlemen, I must explain this again. And if you listen to my earlier podcast, my watch-alongs, I know the difference between a hook and a cross. The dudes, the gentlemen, the gentlemen that commented... Last week, with their predictions on the Canelo Charlo fight, Kobe, Rob Hill, Gritty, and King all know the difference between a hook and a cross. Why do the Mauro Ronaldo's, Todd Mannix, and Joe Tessitores of the world, not Todd Mannix, Todd Grisham, Todd Grisham, and Joe Tessitores of the world don't know the difference between the left? A, a hook and a cross. Howard Cosell did. Jim Lampley was the best. Jim Lampley would tell you, oh, he heard him with a right cross. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a conventional fighter. That means I'm, if I'm a conventional boxer, I'm right-handed, right? I'm leading with my left jab. If I come over the top of the right hand, that's a right cross, not a right hook. I see too many young people on Twitter who claim to be boxing fans make that mistake. Talking about, oh, Tommy Hearns had a great right hook. No, Tommy Hearns had a great right cross. The the punches that knocked out Pepino Cuevas and Roberto Duran's were overhand rights. They were right crosses. They weren't right hooks. Let's stop the bullshit. I'm here to educate. And also, the Showtime team pissed me off with the four belt era crap. Saying that the four belt era has been 35 years. Ladies and gentlemen, it's bullshit. Stop listening to you could only be undisputed if you had the WBO, WBC, IBF, and WBA because Mike Tyson did not have the WBO championship. He was undisputed heavyweight title. Riddick Boa Van der Holyfield were undisputed titles without the WBO title. Lennox Lewis was an undisputed champion without the WBO champ, uh, a title. Why? Because the WBO title was a banana title. It was 
not considered a real title until the late 2000s. When Bernard Hopkins beat Felix Trinidad, September 29th, 2001, I was at the fight. It was for the undisputed middleweight championship world. The WBO was not involved in that fight. It was for the IBF, WBC, and WBA title when Bernard Hopkins won. He was considered the first undisputed world middleweight champion since Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Right? So, these announcers and the media with their bogus 35-year four-belt era, let's stop the nonsense, all right? Because Mike Tyson was an undisputed champion. Riddick Bowe, Buster Douglas, Evander Holyfield were undisputed heavyweight champions. Lennox Lewis was undisputed heavyweight champion. Pernell Whitaker was undisputed lightweight champion. The WBO title was a joke back back when Pernell Whitaker won the WBC, IBF, and WBA titles when he knocked out Juan Azario in the very first round in that fight over 30 years ago. All right? Ronald Winky Wright, when he beat Shane Mosley, become undisputed Junior middleweight champion, champion of the world. The WBO title was looked at as a joke. It's a title Ronald Wright held early in his career, and nobody considered him a real junior middleweight champion until he beat Shane Mosley. When Riddick Bowe and Evander Holyfield and Buster Douglas were the undisputed heavyweight champions of the world, you had WBO champions like Francesco Damiani. No, he's not a champion. Ray Mercer wins the WBO title and gives it up right away because he knows it was a joke. When Riddick Bowe won the WBO heavyweight championship, he tossed it. He didn't want that shit. All right, off my soapbox. Let's stop with the bullshit for Bell era. I don't recognize that, right? The WBO is considered a legit title now. All right. But back in the day, in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, it was considered a joke. And I only speak facts here. The OG Rob Silver, the greatest boxing historian on the planet. All right, now. Great win by uh, Mario Barrios, but, you know, Jordanus Ugas is past his prime and he needs to retire and they need to make sure that he's no longer boxing he needs to retire he needs to take care of his family he's got a beautiful wife beautiful children i right, maybe get into some business ventures with his manager uh former closer of the new york yankees closer of the of the uh texas rangers chapman fellow cute cubano but he should never box again he needs to announce his retirement <laughs> we got Erickson Lubin versus Jesus Ramos. Now, people were crying that this was a robbery. I had a 115-113 Ramos. But there were several rounds that could have gone either way. And ladies and gentlemen, the last four rounds, Jesus Ramos inexplicably took his foot off the gas. I don't know if it was fatigue because it was the first 12-round fight of his career. I mean, he's a young man. But the last four rounds, he was very inactive. He didn't throw the punches and punches that he, that he did the first eight rounds. And you can make an argument that Lubin won the last four rounds. And while the scorecards were, were, were ridiculous, one judge had it 117-111. Lubin didn't win nine rounds. But I could see Lubin winning this fight if, let's say, after eight rounds, you had it five rounds to three 
Ramos, because you could have easily had that. There were several rounds early, and Mauro Ronaldo and Abner Morris were horrible. They acted like Ramos was dominating. Like Ramos was landing some great body shots, and he was outworking Lubin. But Lubin was landing his jab. And there were several rounds where it was a lot of give and go, where the first half of the round would be Lubin, the second half of the round would be Ramos. Scorecards could be all over the place. Erickson Lubin won the fight, and I don't consider it a robbery. But I will say this. No, Erickson Lubin didn't win the fight. Jesus Ramos lost the fight. And in the post-fight interview with Jim Gray, you could see the regret in Jesus Ramos' eyes when he was talking. He knew that down the stretch, he didn't do what a future champion is supposed to do. If you consider yourself a future champion, you got to close the show. Last four rounds, he did absolutely nothing. And Lubin won those four rounds. And and I believe he won the last four rounds on all three scorecards. So there you go. Victory for Erickson Lubin. What does that mean now for Erickson Lubin? Maybe he fights the winner of Tim Zhu versus uh, Brandon... Um, uh, What's the, what's the guy's name? Um, Brian Mendoza. That's in a couple of weeks. Maybe he fights a Brian Castaño. Maybe he gets a rematch with Sebastian Fundura in a great fight that, that occurred recently. Eric Lubin now is back as a force at 154 by stealing the last four rounds and stealing this fight. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't consider this fight a robbery. Jesus Ramos gave it away instead of taking it away. He just gave it away. You can't fight like that in your first major fight. All right, you can't. All right. Now we get on to the main event. And several of the prognosticators called it exactly the way it happened. Shout out to King. Shout out to Rob Hill. Oh, Noble Savage 14 predicted the same thing I predicted. He sent it in right before the fight started to, to hashtag ask Ross, Rob Silver. He thought Charlo would win by split decision like me. So me, Noble Savage 14, and Lion and me, my wonderful uh, young sister on um, Twitter, all three of us was wrong. The guys that said he would win by decision were proven right. Uh, so shout out to uh, Rob Hill, shout out to King, and shout out to several of the people who I read their their uh, their uh, predictions earlier in the podcast. If you had Canelo winning by decision, it's exactly what you expected. I mean, Canelo came out strong first round. Neither man did much of the feel out round, but I gave the round to Charlo, and then I mean Canelo. I gave round one to Canelo, and then rounds two. Three, four. Canelo beat Charlo's body like a drum. When you hear Canelo's body shots, it sounds like the body shots Dolph Lundgren would hit Rocky Balboa in Rocky. And those are special effects. These are real punches. Um, when it comes to thudding body punches, the way Canelo hits you to the body, it reminds me of the way George Foreman in the 70s used to hit you. Watch the Ali Foreman fight. You hear the thudding blows off of Ali's ribcage by George Foreman. That's the type of body blows Canelo lands and throws. He was hitting thunderous shots against Charlo and 
I'll give Charlo credit for one thing. He was able to take those body shots. I didn't see him get hurt by any of the body shots, even though they were wearing him down. And I think it made him less active. It kept him from landing that jab. And Canelo's jab was phenomenal. He out-jabbed Charlo. And Charlo's got one of the best jabs in boxing. Um, Canelo fought the first eight rounds brilliantly. Dropped Charlo in the ninth round with a beautiful right cross. Charlo, and I said this in the preview, Charlo had to stay off the ropes. Charlo spent too much time on the ropes. And when you up against the ropes against Canelo, Canelo's going to beat that body. And Canelo continued to beat the body. Now, the last four rounds, I, I gave Charlo the ninth round. And um, Canelo took his took took his foot off the gas. Um, even though I had... Canelo winning 10, 11, and 12 because Charlo's body was so beaten down that whatever punch, and Charlo landed some nice left hooks down the stretch. His left hook was much more effective in this fight than the right cross. But when a master body puncher beats you to the body, it saps your punching power. And whatever power Charlo had going into the fight, it might have decreased 30, and 30 to 40% by the end of the fight so whatever he was hitting Canelo went Canelo having the great best chin in boxing today wasn't going to affect Charlo I mean Canelo um Charlo wasn't active active enough he didn't he didn't land a jab like I thought he would I was totally wrong I got to give all credit to Canelo he fought the perfect fight he beat that body and like several dudes wrote he had something to prove like Luigi wrote he had something to prove and he did and now Canelo who's got two fights I, I believe left on his PBC deal I think those two fights are going to be against David Benavidez and David Morrell I, I see David Benavidez beating Andrade in a couple of months no, actually a month and a half the winner of that fight is supposed to fight Charlo Charlo's got to fight Benavidez or Morel because he's a PBC. He's got he's contractually obligated to PBC, and PBC's not going to throw just anybody out there against Charlo. And according to several sources, Showtime and PBC will no longer be a partnership after next year, after 2024. Showtime Paramount is leaving the boxing game, just like HBO did six seven years ago so what does that mean for uh pbc well 2024 your last year according to all the sources your last year with showtime you've got to you've got to deliver big pay-per-views canelo's not fighting regular showtime he's going to fight a pay-per-view canelo versus benavidez will be a massive draw with the mexican fans with the mexican-american fans and you got to have that fight Cinco de Mayo weekend. So that's one fight. And then to finish off his uh, to finish off his contract with PBC, at the end of the year, I see David Mor him fighting David Morrell. So if Canelo wins all three fights, he's already won down. If he, he beat Charlo. If he beats Benavidez and Morrell, man, I'd, I'd retire, go off into the sunset, and boom. Maybe he surpasses my greatest Mexican fighter of all time in Salvador Sanchez. 
It's always a possibility. All right. What does the future now hold for Jamel Charlo? Um, if I was Jamel, I'd go down to 160. Forget 154. You went up to 168. It's going to be hell for you to go back down to 154. Go down to 160. Maybe fight an Elijah Garcia. Uh, maybe fight an Erislan de Lara. I know Lara and Danny Garcia are supposed to reschedule a fight that was postponed. Um, Maybe get one last fight out of Triple G. Jamel could do major damage at 160. And I see his brother Jamal moving up to 168 when he eventually gets his head together. They're talking about a possible Jamal Charlo versus Caleb Plant fight. We will see. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I, I want to thank all the contributors to the podcast. I want to thank all the listeners. I mean, I had a great time watching the fight at the uh, AMC Empire 25 movie theater. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen a fight in a movie theater, I'd highly recommend it. Look, the pay-per-view was $84.99, right? Rode the subway back and forth for $5.80. The ticket was $25. My food was $20, all right? So, if you total it all up together, no, actually, my food was 19. 19, 25. So, all together, I spent $50 for myself because my nephew didn't want to go. And uh, my lady was working. So, $50 I spent all together for one night, which it would have cost me $85 plus whatever food and stuff I had to buy at the crib. So yeah, it was worth it. And man, they weren't checking, they weren't checking bags or, 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 or hoodies. I could have stuck us next time. I'll just get a couple of sandwiches, put it inside my hoodie, and then it's a wrap <laughs> next time. But uh, definitely, and Canelo's fights are always, always broadcast through movie theaters throughout the country. So when he does fight Benavides in May, I'd highly recommend you guys go ahead and get your uh, uh, tickets. Shout out to pay, pay, uh, pay so forever hard. One of my most loyal listeners. Uh, shout out to Black Blackula Scream. I think they were talking. I know. Pay, pay for pay so forever hard. Went to the theater and saw the fight. And I think Noble Savage also was talking about going to the theater. So look, go ahead, go get the go to the theater. Do your thing. All right, that shuts the books. Shuts the book on this fight. I want everybody out there. I want everybody out there to continue to be blessed and be a blessing. You got Wednesday morning. I will be uh, putting out the latest installment of the life and times of Muhammad Ali, his exile and his comeback from fight from exile versus Jerry Quarry. And then next week. The regular boxing recap show. You got a couple of fights next week that I'll recap, talk about, as well as another Q&A session and another in my list of historical overviews of the greatest knockouts in boxing history. Until next week, everybody continue to be blessed and be a blessing.